Hi, I'm Lauren Burdett, and you are listening to Life as Spiritual Practice, a podcast where we explore ways to connect with the divine in ordinary life. If you are feeling stuck in your spiritual journey, this might be the inspiration you've been looking for. I'm a spiritual director by training, and one of the ways that I listen is through silence. You'll notice pauses and moments of silence in the conversation today. And while they might feel awkward, I invite you to receive them, receive them as a chance to listen to your own soul. What is the conversation stirring up for you? I am delighted to introduce my conversation partner today, Dr. Preta Banerjee. An accomplished teacher, passionate activist, and warm-hearted spirit, Preta draws on a broad and deep range of experience. Having spent 20 years in academia, coaching, and consulting as an advocate, educator, researcher, and author. She is a strong voice for combining spirituality, creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship, and social change. Rita, welcome. Thank you so much, Lauren, for having me here. I'm honored and delighted to have our conversation about honoring the mess as a spiritual practice. I am too, and it feels appropriate to share that this is our second time having this conversation, that the first time we recorded, we just encountered technical issue over technical issue, and here we are trying again and um, and celebrating the fact that that's life, that that's part of the mess of life, and um, yeah, it, it, it makes me laugh that we're having this opportunity to live into the spiritual practice of honoring the mess. And I think it's a gift for our listeners to know that we practice what we speak mm-hmm. and that we see these opportunities to come round again as deepening. And I'm so honored to be deepening with you, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Me too. Would you like to center us? in our conversation. Thank you. Yes, I love starting by setting space with three deep breaths. And each breath has its own significance in setting the space. The first will be to just tap into where we are, connect with our body, spirit, mind, soul, and just be where it is. The second deep breath will be to stay with, be present. And the third is to set intention. And as we know, with intention, we set our attention. So we will practice those three deep breaths and I will lead us to set our intention and set the space for this beautiful call. So our first deep breath in, inhaling, Pausing and exhaling, being present to what is, taking our second breath in, deep breath all the way into our bellies. Pausing and letting that out. And our third. Deep breath in, 
pausing and with the exhale, setting our intention to focus our attention for this time together. I'll say my intention is to hold, hold what I can of your story and your journey with, with honor and with curiosity. Frida, when we first talked, I mentioned to you that honoring the mess is one of my spiritual practices, and you responded with such um, with such joy and enthusiasm. And I'm wondering if we could start with you just sharing a bit about what that phrase holds for you. Absolutely. Um, we had spoken about. Uh, Book I had recently written called Life as a Mix Master. And the premise of the book is that we only have now moments, the present time, to create the life we want. And in the book, to create our soundtrack for our life. And the mess is often what is present. Uh, and the choices are whether to move forward, make decisions, or wait until things are perfect. And when we wait for perfection or control, we might miss making the most of our now moment. The book is a choose your own adventure and um, moves through energies based on the chakra system. And uh, it's very appropriate for my life. I think we often um, encounter different types of messes, different moments that we need to be present to. And I was very, I, I really appreciated our sharing, our heartfelt sharing about um, needing to be present to now moments and make the most to live fully into our experiences. I hear in that the connection between honoring the mess and reality. That it's about it's about being present to the fullness of whatever is in front of you. And and the challenge of that, the challenge of that, I think particularly in in our culture in this time that that drives towards perfection to to embrace and hold all of what is. I often say that our emotions are a way of the universe communicating with us um, it, with connecting into those ways of knowing beyond just our thinking mind, knowing with our body, knowing through listening, deep listening and holding, we can process and feel what the universe is telling us at that moment and we often see the opposite effect where if we don't listen the frustration that might come out of not listening not connecting and losing our ways of knowing our natural systems of discernment so that our life isn't as full as we've decided to be as spiritual beings having a human experience 
using all our senses and beyond. Yeah, that we think it's limiting somehow to, um, to look at and embrace and be present with messiness, with imperfection, but actually what is limiting is to ignore it. We spoke of this quote that I love, uh, creative people don't have a mess, they just have ideas lying around everywhere. <laughs> and um, that ability to create, create the moment, create our full lives, create decisions when we're not maybe at an ideal envisioned place, I think is a superpower, right? It's the ability to honor and look with gratitude at what is before us. And therefore by honoring the mess, actually honoring the life that we're trying to live into. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Frida, what this has looked like in your own journey and what have been the moments of, can, can you share a couple of moments of facing, facing imperfection and facing mess and just what it's been like for you? I think the deepest facing of this practice, the deepest honoring of masses in holding the often dark souls of the night, the, the harder places. Um, as a spiritual companion, coach, um, teacher, it, it is often necessary to go through what are often seen as negative emotions to make breakthroughs. Um, amazing book by Soraya Kimali, I think her name is, Rage Becomes Her, speaks about the importance of listening to anger in particular as a messenger that when we feel that emotion, it's telling us that things aren't right, that something needs to be addressed, attended, and not ignored. Uh, and that is deep work. The constructs of society are to be polite, in a way that I call spiritual bypassing. The word is spiritual bypassing, um, uh, which is a word I, of words I use. Not listening to the messages that are coming up with maybe frustration, anger, sadness, grief, all ways of our body and, and the universe communicating with us. Can you say more about what spiritual bypass is? and how we, might, how we might know if we're engaging in it. So a perfect example are the holiday times, which we're currently in. Mm -hmm. uh, we encounter maybe at our festive occasions, at holiday parties or dinners that we host, that people come with a mixed bag of emotions and that all of it is welcome. All of it is 
heart of the holiday season, um, as well as the celebration and gratitude and excitement of ringing in a new year, there is the sadness of those we miss, the frustration of things that might happen on the way to get there, and maybe even anger at the loss or missing of some part of something dear or something that might have happened that creates that emotion. And in the holiday season, when we hold these events or we encounter these events and we encounter people, um, holding them fully is, is a way that we can do the opposite of spiritual bypass or honor the mess. Um, when we ignore or we try to just fix it or put a Band-Aid on it, those are ways in which we're just not, not attending, not attending, not listening deeply to what needs to be presenced, what needs to be listened to. And when we understand that all of it is welcome, all of it is valuable, everything has a message, should we choose to listen to it, we can move past the spiritual bypass into honoring the mess. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing in that that so much of honoring the mess is, is interior work, that it's about kind of the mess within us, right? Like the places that don't feel good within, the places that are uncomfortable, that feel ugly, that feel wrong, that feel, yeah, just, just not good. <laughs> and that spiritual bypasses then trying to trying to rush, trying to jump into the positive. It reminds me of Rumi's poem, The Guest House. Is that what it's called, I think? Um, that names all these emotions and, and you know, and welcomes them. What is it like to make that welcoming space within? Radical hospitality. Yes. And you bring up a good point, Lauren. Um, it begs me to delve deeper into what might hold us back from offering radical hospitality in every now moment. And a few of the biggest barriers to honoring the mess are agendas, tight agendas, strong opinions about how things should be, the word should, mm -hmm. lack of time, and any and all of these things can be made luxurious. The Greek actually had two different words for time. They had chronos with K and Kronos with CH and a beautiful organization I'm part of, the Mystic Soul Project, offers that we honor rhythm over time. And these are ways that we can loosen our strict agendas or ideal opinions into presencing what's coming up now. We spoke about now and that means that it's not the past which has already been and it's not the future which is coming but it's 
that which is before us. Peter, would you say that this is a, a spiritual practice that comes naturally to you, or is it one that you've had to grow into? I am so lucky to have been born into practices that have, it's natural. Mm. <laughs> um, Tell me more about natural. that. Um, my background is what is called Hinduism, but that word, um, the world religion title was that given to, um, those in the Indus Valley, uh, by, um, those who are coming to study and understand the practices. And, and there are many, many different, um, ways of being and practicing under Hinduism uh, it's like like drops of water that become rushing streams and lead to a big ocean. Mm -hmm. And in particular, uh, I grew up in goddess uh, tradition, goddess tradition of worshiping the divine feminine. And in that, realizing that a very strong and complementary path is that of being in seva, being with people, and you can reach enlightenment doing that. And complementary to the path that's often held up of aestheticism or monkhood, where one walks off and sits with themselves. And it's, it's that of Siddhartha, who became Buddha, I often tell the story of Yashadara, his wife, who stayed with their young newborn son, Rahul, who stayed with the in-laws and with the kingdom which needed her leadership. And she reached enlightenment as well through seva, through sangha, or meeting with, being with others and holding space. And her story is so necessary, um, especially, I think, now in these times. Can you say more about what her story holds for you? Absolutely. Her story holds for me a purpose, a passion, uh, the work that I do around diversity and different ways of leading. I teach at Wellesley and I hold workshops about authentic voice and women in leadership is really important for us to embrace that which is authentic and not just one archetypal way of doing things. In particular, in leadership, we need all kinds of leaders, community leaders, citizen leaders, political leaders, business leaders, and the divine feminine holds a very strong type of leadership in being communal, in holding other strengths, in leading for mutuality, allyship, and advocacy. And so that is very much part of my work and my passion. Mm -hmm. 
I see a connection between those barriers that we were naming earlier of um, particularly around time and schedule and the ways things should be as barriers to honoring the mess. And I imagine that those are also barriers to, to different forms of leadership. Those are values that um, that honor and are kind of connected with one one form of leadership, you know, a more masculine, more structured form of leadership. Yeah, often known as command and control, mm -hmm. <laughs> or top-down hierarchical leadership, yeah. uh, where you are seen as a leader for your ability to say no, mm -hmm. as opposed for your ability to say yes and. To see multiple solutions to include diversity and to work with deep emotion and not spiritually bypass. Another stream of work I'm very passionate about is looking at spiritual bypass in social innovation, in entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship, and I'm very lucky to be speaking with a colleague of mine, Tomas Alvarez, who's the CEO of Idea to Form, a collaborative design studio that looks at deep design, design that's therapeutic and multidimensional design. And we can't do that without honoring diverse leadership and different ways of forming organizations and conducting business and being and honoring the mess is that that there are multiple ways of being that there are multiple ways of conducting business transacting building relationship and if we only look to one archetype or one way we might we will lose out on the opportunities of richness and fullness that come with embracing and honoring the mess. I hear such interweaving of your spiritual life and your professional life and your, um, like Siddhartha's life, you know, that, that being out and being engaged in the world and could you share with us a bit about your, maybe your professional journey and your, how it ties with your spiritual journey? Because you've had such an interesting path to where you are now. The word integration. Mm. <laughs> integration. It has been like driving a car and being able to place your hands on all parts of the wheel to move in all the directions that are calling and listening to the now moment and addressing that moment and what is calling, what is being called in. Um, and, it, and that has been the journey. It's been integrating uh, amazing experiences opportunities, people I've learned from, most importantly, my kids. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved in our earlier conversation, the idea that honoring the mess is play. It is play. 
and they're my partners in play. I want to shout out to my husband, my number one partner in play, but my kids too. I think I've learned so much from becoming a mom and being a mom. And they're my greatest teachers, especially in the integration, the word integration that keeps coming up. I love that word. And I love, I love the invitation to see our kids as our spiritual teachers and to see motherhood as, you know, I'm very passionate about this, um, to see motherhood as a rich spiritual ground, as rich as as rich as the spiritual ground that exists in the monastery, as full of potential. What, what have your kids taught you? I want to say one of the biggest inflection points was around the time uh, I had my second, my, my eldest and my youngest are five years apart. And the concept of laughter and its importance became predominant and it became an inflection point. It became the metric I used instead of using monetary rewards or productivity or effectiveness or efficiency mm -hmm. as my driver, my motivation. It was how deep can the laughter be? Can it be in the belly? Can it be present more frequent and often and uh, that was a huge inflection point I and I owe that to my children mm. <laughs> I love that idea of laughter as a metric <laughs> the other day um, it's been uh, we had a snowstorm and the first day we cleaned up after the snowstorm very seriously we got it done, I think, in an hour. Um, the second day, it took about three hours because there's a huge snow fight in the middle of this cleaning. <laughs> and just honoring the mess and the laughter and the memories. Um, I think it's been two days since, and we're still talking about how fun it was. Um, yeah, it's, it's honoring the mess. You think you should be cl cleaning up the snow and... <laughs> <laughs> Instead, you make a huge pile of, of uh, yeah, of snowballs. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's beautiful. And, yes, my children are, that is what has, that is where the idea of honoring mess as spiritual practice has come from for me. Because motherhood is so messy. It is, it's, my house is dirty. My house is cluttered. There's just so much stuff and and my days are messy and my days are cluttered and the, particularly in those younger years I'm I'm out of the um I don't have a toddler anymore I don't have a baby anymore so my house is a bit quieter but wow when they were younger it was just constant input constant noise and no control over the day and and I felt like I could fight it and I could think about how I wish it was and how it should be, or I could actually be in it. Um, Cause I certainly couldn't change it. That's so beautiful, Lauren. The idea of softening into mm. what's present as opposed to hardening up against it. 
I think Brene Brown speaks a lot to losing the armor and the power of vulnerability. And that's exactly what I think has been called forth in myself as well as what you just shared. Yes. Oh, yes. And you put that so eloquently. I love that the softening into instead of the hardening up. How, um, which sounds lovely, how would you invite someone into that? Or what are, like, what are some ways to, to practice that? Oh, my daily practices include my three breaths, which we just mm -hmm. shared together, uh, meditation, deeper meditation, nighttime rituals, Bedtime rituals with the kids, dinner time conversations, just deeply listening, just holding every word <laughs> with utmost importance. Mm. Which comes back to what you said at the beginning, right, about, about being in this now moment, um, recognizing when we're fixating on the past or rushing ahead to the future and using our breath, using ritual to, to center down and, and be, be in the moment, be with the mess, whatever it might be, whether it's external, whether it's internal, whether it's both. To live fully from our hearts and experience life as spiritual beings having a human experience, it is a risk. It's a risk I am willing to take. And I wish for all of our listeners and everyone who can find it in themselves to take that risk and that we're not alone in honoring the mess mm -hmm. in having days where there are deep dark emotions in feeling deeply and needing to be held mm -hmm. a dear friend of mine gave me the phrase freak out and reach out and i mm. i use that often because that is it is also the practice given to me from the divine feminine of being with mm. and reaching enlightenment in sangha but reaching out and community building and even in spiritual companioning but being with someone and that i'm not alone they're not alone and when I freak out, to reach out. Mm. If not, this isn't a spiritual practice that we engage in on our own. But yeah, to let ourselves be in community to reach out. And it can be so hard. My, um, it's, I've, I've shared this with you and I've shared it on my blog. Um, it's been a hard fall. It's been a hard fall of transition while it's all going well, it's not all changes that I would have chosen. 
And I said to my spiritual director that at one point, I said, you know, I'm having, I'm having a really hard time praying. And she said, well, let's, let's think about the gospel story of um, the man whose friends want him to get to Jesus so badly that they tear open a hole in the roof over where Jesus is and lower their, their injured friend down. And she said, you know, it takes, it takes at least four people to hold that sheet that that man is lying on to, lo to lower him down. And she said, who's holding your sheet? Can you name at least four people who are holding, who are holding you up? Um, and that was a um, challenging and really powerful metaphor for me because Thought, oh gosh, I'm much more comfortable holding other people's sheets than I am letting people hold me. It sounds lovely to be held, but it's it's uncomfortable. It can be really hard. I hear the challenge in taking in as much as we want to give. Mm -hmm. And um, another book that comes to mind, The Celestine Prophecy, taking in from a source rather than taking in from the one-on-one -on -one relationships, but a deep source that can fill us. But the divine is everywhere, so... We're never alone, our community, we're always in community, whether it be with humans or with animal friends, the elements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it is a challenge and I honor you for the messiness of that, the mm -hmm. tug of war of when we don't have clear decisions, there's sometimes this tug of war and it's messy. And I, I honor you that in that. Thank you. I also want to express my gratitude for you and calling me and making this deep connection. Um, you can count on me anytime to hold that sheet. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I adore you and I appreciate you and I celebrate you and uh, all the amazing work you're doing. And I'm sure your listeners will all uh, agree. Oh, well, I'm tearing up. <laughs> and, and I feel that. Thank you. I feel held. I feel held in honoring the mess and naming it and being in it. And, and I feel the deep connection of, of Sangha. Rita, could you share a bit about what the spiritual practice has? reveal to you of the divine? The ever-present communication mm. and my uh, 
being too busy to listen or um, when I listen, superficial listening versus deep listening, sacred listening, listening beyond words, between words. As you share with us, silence speaks loud, louder sometimes than words. And silence also is such a precious balm. Gives us the calm, the inner peace. So then how do we know the difference between the silence that's screaming versus the silence that's soothing? Ooh, how do you know the difference? Oh, just practice, right? Everyday practice. <laughs> I think I shared with you one of the uh, lessons I've learned the mistake from the mistakes of uh, in my growth, in my journey, is that we're all on different parts or we're in different places on this journey of honoring the mess. And when we come to relationship being explicit about where we're at, what we need, how we need to be held, because there are those who still are very close to trust and relationship building, being in the, um, time over rhythm or mm -hmm. the more perfection the better and then as I've been moving to honor rhythm over time and be more luxurious and gracious and hospitable uh, in my listening mm -hmm. um, sometimes those can clash and without meaning to I can show disrespect and that has been a huge lesson that the rules of engagement need to be made explicit, mm -hmm. um, that we need to check in with each other and find out where we're at and that that can change in every now moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can be anew in what we need in that moment to be held and to engage. And so uh, I don't take that for granted anymore. Mm -hmm not bring in assumptions in your in your interactions to bring in awareness of um well <laughs> awareness of what you're not aware of right awareness of I, I don't know where this person is and i need to be clear about what my needs and desires are you've used the phrase luxurious the word luxurious a couple of times and I just, I love that. I love that as a counterpoint to structure and rigidity. And I'm learning from you in that. I was delighted that when we scheduled our first conversation, and I usually tell people, you know, it's an hour conversation, maybe leave an hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half. You said, let's schedule two hours. You know, let's just really make it spacious and and of course it turned out we needed every minute of those two hours and <laughs> and then we needed even more and you were so gracious with that too and that like okay let's let's make time the very next day let me open up this window in my very busy life um, and stretch out time 
around it. And so I see, I see you living this in, in really beautiful and inspiring ways. Thank you. And thank you for being my partner in committing to honor the mess as a spiritual mm -hmm. practice and hold ourselves in relationship and committed to that, committed to this uh, beautiful podcast and offering this gift to our, ourselves and our listeners um, and committing to that above and beyond what it should look like and that it should be this way. And it, it, it should have happened the first time <laughs> <laughs> and that, um, you know, it's never been like this before. Right. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully that's, that's the kind of future we want where it's never been like this before that we can have new and beautiful things and experience, um, you know, deeper and fuller lives. And so, uh, holding ourselves to these shoulds or that it's never happened before, you know, that, uh, we we could have missed out on this beautiful moment mm -hmm. and uh, this gift. Yeah. Isn't that the way we want things to be? Isn't that how we want? We want there to be things that have never happened before. And we want there to be potential. One of the things I teach um, to students in change making is that the more deeper the change, radical, I guess is the word, uh, transformative, the further it's going to be from what has been visioned or, or um, what exists. And that is going to require honoring the mass as a spiritual practice. And all the things that surround that, including patience and self-love, community care, advocacy. I hadn't thought about that connection between honoring the mess and change before, but it makes so much sense to me because I know we can we can only make change when we're first aware and that honoring the mess is, is a practice of growing in awareness, of expanding our awareness and our ability to, to see and hold more of the full mess of reality. But only from there can we then can we then envision change and, and steps towards it? Yes, well, mess is often connotated or made equivalent with disorder. Mm. It could be a new order or something novel. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This raises the question for me, what is mess? Which brings me back to uh, the quote that you shared about, can you say it again, about creative individuals? Oh, yes. Creative people don't have a mess. They just have ideas lying around everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Elizabeth Gilbert writes about creativity, um, her book, Big Magic, and that ideas have their own personalities or beingness. Mm. I like to think that some of my mess is just me inviting those beings in radical hospitality. Mm. Although I don't advocate over messiness. (laughs) (laughs) Or then you cannot find anything where you need it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Moderation, right? (laughs) Balance, yes. Yes, balance. I like that. Rita, would you say that your book is is a way for people to begin to engage with the spiritual practice? Yes. Yes, it was honoring the mess as a spiritual practice that gave life to this book that it's based on, rooted in, um, among other things, choosing your own adventure. Every moment, every page is that practice of now and then now. Um, And that there are always choices. Even if we feel limited by organization and agendas and lack of time, lack of resources, somehow we can believe that there are unlimited choices, even if we don't know how to get there. And in that, knowing that there's these unlimited choices, we can find our ways there slowly, slowly but surely. We are, let's see, we're getting close to the end of our conversation. I'm curious if there's anything that you, that you wanted to share that you haven't yet. Just want to express my gratitude uh, for this opportunity for the opportunities to engage on this beautiful practice of honoring the mess and to connect with our listeners and hopefully to continue this work into the world. Um, Thank you, Lauren, for the invitation and for holding the space. Mm. Oh, Rita, thank you so much. I've, I've learned so much and there's so much I want I'm excited to go sit with and play with and phrases that you use that from, from the idea of luxurious time to softening instead of hardening to seeing mess as, as a creative playground. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Do you, would you like to close us with three breaths? Oh, thank you. Yes. So just as we set our space when we opened, taking our three breaths to close this beautiful space and move on to the next. Again, the first breath to 
tap in, to connect. The second, to stay with and be present. And the third, to set a new intention. And so we take our first deep breath in. Pause and exhale. Our second breath, staying with, inhale. Pause and exhale. And our last breath together, breathing in deeply. Pause and exhale. Wishing everyone a beautiful next step in the journey. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us for this conversation. And the intention I was breathing out, breathing in and breathing out was for you and for the seeds that might have been planted in your own life from, from this conversation. I hope that, yeah, I hope that this conversation feeds your soul. I hope that you are inspired to play with this idea of honoring comfortableness as a spiritual practice in your own life. You can learn more about Krita at whiteleafadvisors.com. You can also find her on LinkedIn and on Twitter at white at, at whiteleafing. If you are inspired by our conversation today. Maybe think about friends that you could share it with. Who are the people who you could invite to the conversation? If you would like to reach me to hear, to share your experience, you can find me at laurenburdett.com. You can also find links to the resources that Frida and I mentioned in our conversation in our show notes. As always, our music is by the band This Side of Eve, and you can find this song and all of their music at thissideofeve.bandcamp.com. I'll be back in a couple weeks with a new conversation. Thanks again.